Good afternoon and welcome to the Embedded Executive Podcast. My name is Rich Ness. I am the Embedded Embedded Executive Vice President of Open Systems Media, and I lead the Embedded and IoT teams for Embedded Computing Design. My guest for this episode is Barry Blix. He is a director with microchips, specifically in their memory business unit. How you doing, Barry? Hi, good, thanks. Good to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. So we're going to do a little myth busting here <laughs> uh, with respect to memory. And before I do that, um, you're obviously my expert. What qualifies you as a memory expert? Well, I've been working uh, for Microchip for 20 years in the memory group. Before that, I uh, dabbled a little bit with Intel, mostly with uh, some of their flash memory products. So I've been playing around with this stuff for a while. Okay. That certainly makes you more qualified than me. So let's let's just go with that. Okay. First memory. First memory myth. Um, memory devices are vulnerable to magnets. That's true. So, well, some are, but most aren't. Okay. Your answer can't be it depends. You're not allowed <laughs> to say it depends. Well, it kind of depends. How's that? <laughs> if if you're using uh normal um normal types of memory the kind of memories we all think about dram mm -hmm. flash memory that sort of thing magnets are okay if you're using some of the uh the emerging technologies like mram which is magnetic resonance memory then it can be an issue but those guys have found ways around it too so without getting too deep into it why are some susceptible and some not well the memory based the magnetic-based memories actually use things ones and zeros. So all memories, the ones we're used to, the CMOS memories, they'll they have charges moving across to floating gates back and forth. So if it's a high charge, it's a one. If it's a low charge, it's a zero. Mem magnetics kind of do the same thing, except it's which way it's spinning. If it spins one way, it's a one. The other way, it's a zero. So an external magnet can goof up how those things are spinning. And your ones and zeros get confused. I thought you were going to take us back to floppy disks. Uh, not that far. <laughs> okay. All right. So next myth. Uh, memory wears out. Does memory ever wear out? So I hate to say it, but it depends. <laughs> but this one's kind of an easier one. It's if you if you go up the memory chain and think, well, there there are basically two kinds of memory at the if, at the very top of the line. You've got volatile and you have non-volatile. So let's stay with um, let's stay with volatile memory for a little bit. So that just means if the power goes away, you lose your data. It's like RAM on your computer. If you unplug it in your middle of the spreadsheet, it goes away. Um, that kind of data, that kind of memory, DRAM for the most part, and SRAM really isn't, doesn't wear out. It can last forever. The other kind of memory, which is the non-volatile kind, which is flash, WE problems, that sort of thing, that memory actually does wear out. Okay. Um, going back to rotating memory, um, that definitely wears out, right? It does, but it's a long, long time before it wears out. It's effectively infinite. So if you look at, yeah, if you look at data sheets, if you look at say um, um, an E squared data sheet, which is which is a low density non-volatile memory in contrast to flash, which is higher density non-volatile, they're cousins, they kind of work the same way. Those 
Um, those tend to have E squared, say a million erased write cycles. So you can, so reads, reads are free. So you can read forever. It doesn't hurt anything. Writes are what hurts, hurts the cell itself. So E squared, you're talking about a million erase write cycles. Flash is maybe 10,000 to 100,000. Some of the emerging technologies like MRAM, which we've been talking about, FRAM, they can get up to data sheets, say, I think one of them says 10 to the 14th. I don't even know what that is. It's a lot of zeros. Um, and some of them are actually called unlimited because it's just essentially they haven't they haven't gotten there. They don't know how long it lasts. But those are pretty big differences. You said one was 10,000, one was yeah. a million, and one was some ridiculously big number. If, if, if I'm designing my system, I don't want the one with 10,000. Well, it depends if you, um, maybe you don't, but maybe it's a case where a lot of our customers in Flash say, look, I write a boot code to it. I write it once. Maybe I have to change it again for an update, you know, a couple more times and that's it. So you don't need infinite endurance. We have other customers who are logging data maybe every 15 minutes and you start to do the math and then it's, yeah, you really do need millions of erase write cycles. Is erase write cycles the only thing affecting this memory? What about time? Um, that's it. There's similar failure modes. Um, so when you talk about time, you're re we're really talking about data retention. Like the joke is, our joke inside uh, Microchip is, it's hard to come up with a fun memory demo because what do you do? There's the memory. It's there. You look back in an hour. Well, it's still there. That was, that was a fun demo. The ones well, are you still guys ones. have a blast in that lab, don't you? Oh, yeah. Wow. It's, <laughs> they're, they're still the way they were. Two weeks ago, they haven't moved at all. <laughs> but um, it's... Um, um, so can you, I've got myself off track. Can you repeat the question? Sorry about sure. that. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about um, the characteristic we're using is how many erased write cycles. But my question was, what if this right. thing is just old? It hasn't been used in five years. Will will that affect anything? It will. Um, some of the those emerging technologies, the MRAM and the FRAM that we've been talking about, they're like, I'm going to say, I don't know for sure, but 10, 20 years, something like that. So after that amount of time, they start to, the the magnetics or the phase change or whatever it is starts to slip. E-squirts and flash are a lot longer on the order of 100 years, 200 years, because once the electrons get put on that floating gate, they tend to, they tend to stay there unless something moves them off, which is the semiconductor. So that that's another thing to think about. How long do you want this data to stay in there? So now you're talking about numbers that are hard to put into real life if it's a million cycles so i in a typical i don't know I, the word typical probably doesn't mean anything but how long is this going to last so we tend to say maybe 10 percent of our customers really need probably not even that many really need a lot of endurance so it for most customers it's not really an issue in data retention when you're looking at 100 years how many things do we expect to last a hundred years? Not that many. Um, so those, there are some applications where it, where it does matter. You know, I can think of some things that we don't want to fail for 50 years. So that might be an issue. If you've got some other kind of memory that only lasts for 20, it could be a problem. Okay. So is, is there something that's coming that solves all of our problems that we'll never <laughs> have to worry about? 
it's always coming. And we've been, I've been hearing about this for, for 25 years. It's, it's that there's always a memory. It, it's kind of funny that, um, and there's, there's so much going on in the semiconductor world, but I don't want to say there's nothing going on in the memory world, but it, the market has found that these CMOS based memory parts, which are really the two big markets are DRAM on the, on the volatile side and NAND flash on the non-volatile side. They've got a, they've got a good price point. Um, yeah, there's some disadvantages, but they're so easily available and such a good price point. And they're so widespread. It's and uh, some of these other memories come along and say, well, we can fix the endurance. We can fix, um, we can make everything. We can make um, a memory that looks like a, not a volatile DRAM, but it's really non-volatile, but they're all expensive, hard to make. They haven't just taken over some of these new technologies. I call them emerging, but they've been around for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Now, what about within the same memory type? I know that memory can vary greatly in price within the same memory type because they say that some last longer than others. Like DRAM, for example, you could buy really cheap DRAM, you could buy really expensive DRAM. Is there a difference? Well, I don't know so much about DRAM. I, well, I can answer the question. Yeah, I can answer it more for like flash and because that. That's where my that's where my world sure. is, um, and for the most part, like industrial dip- flash, yeah, versus consumer flash. Is that so a marketing thing so they could charge more? Um, are most of it's really so? Some of it does get tested differently. So if there's like automotive is where we really draw the line. There's kind of consumer flash and automotive. So it, it a little bit depends on the company. Some companies actually have different manufacturing lines for automotive versus regular. Um, some don't. Ours tend to be made in this in the same place, but they they get qualified differently. So it's harder to. So by qualifying, I mean, um, you know, we have all these specs. We've been talking about a million erase write cycles, two hundred years. Well, how do we know that's right? And and how do we know it's going to last that long? Well, that's yeah. Like, do we test them? Do we? Did we build these 200 years ago? And now look, well, we can't. But that's part of the qual procedure. And that's every semiconductor. That's the quals. And they use Arrhenius equations and such. To They'll use high temperature during the qual to say, well, that's a proxy for time. But anyway, to How answer accurate your question, is that? pretty accurate. It's been um, as now these parts have been along, around a long time. So we do, we do both, especially with endurance. We can say, well, the equations say this should last to a million and then we can test them because we that that we can do it takes months even years and then we can compare the actual results to what the equations told us and we have enough engineering companies have enough engineering safety in there that that you can you can trust the data sheets so people who live in cooler climates will live longer than people live in hotter climates <laughs> we've never used the arenius equation on humans although we do joke about it who's going to well, volunteer it's 250 degrees celsius for you know a couple of days well you're in phoenix and i'm in florida so it's nice knowing you <laughs> yeah we're almost there it seems like <laughs> well thank you very much very enlightening you know this certainly goes a long way for anybody who's who's designing a system because as we know, there is memory in every single system. Yeah, that's the thing. We kind of tease ourselves that, like, like I said before, ah, you know, memory, there's not much going on. But everything kind of comes back to memory. All the, the microcontroller chips and 
you know, the old joke is everybody needs more memory. So the, um, the technology marches on. Very good. Thank you, Barry. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Barry Blixt. He is a director with Microchips Memory Division, and I'm Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.